This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Welcome to a turn on the Jets digital special presentation. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And I am joined by a good friend of the podcast, a regular contributor, and somebody who I've referred to more than once as a very big deal. And it's true, because now not only is he the lead beat reporter for JetsInsider.com, he is the owner of that website, Mr. Chris Nimbley. Chris, what's going on? Not much. Just, you know, over here being the biggest of biggest deals. And, uh, you know, just just getting ready, geared up for free agency, and also ignoring a lot of the... uh, Everyone going nuts about free agency until we at least see who signs where or re-signs where. That is a good strategy to take because I think last year everybody got wound up and then at the end none of the major free agents like Kirk Cousins ended up coming here. We didn't see Allen Robinson. The only one that the Jets got was Tremaine Johnson. They had to settle for secondary options like Spencer Long. And a year later, Spencer Long is gone. He was released. There are whispers, however, that the Jets may be looking to bring him back, perhaps as a backup at center slash guard. Chris, walk me through the release of Spencer Long and whether or not you think there's a decent chance he ends up coming back on a lower deal. I mean, the release is pretty simple. Just everybody knows how the year played out for him last year. Obviously, he had the injury issues. Uh, the finger was a huge issue that led to those stat problems, which, uh, you know, domino effect may have been responsible for Darnold getting hurt. Um, so that even even with the Jets having a hundred million dollars in cap space. To sit there and look at six point five million to be able to get out of that without having to pay any type of cap hit, any type of dead money, it was just a no brainer for them. Uh, there, there is. I have heard a little bit that they're considering bringing him back. I wouldn't expect anything, you know, real quick on that. Maybe for his own purpose, it's probably best for him to kind of sit out and wait to see what the, you know, the, the Mitch Morris and the Paredes do. And and then go from there. But uh, the I would expect the Jets to look to upgrade the line in free agency, especially that interior line. And then from there, they can go back and circle back to long. It. But my understanding right now is if they bring him back, they're going to be doing it in a way where they would hope at least that he will be depth and not bringing him back to go ahead and write him in stone as a starter or anything like that. And I get people's complaints about Long, but if you have him as a backup, that that's a good thing. Him as a starter, that that's a bad thing, and that that will be bad for Darnold. But if you can, they can bring him back as a backup. That that's a good thing. There's you can do a lot worse than Spencer Long as a backup. Uh, you know, switch center guard, fill in wherever. Yeah, as far as Spencer Long goes, I'm in the camp of. Bring him back if you can get him on a cheap deal. Not as a starter, but as solid depth. It's a guy that has in the past been good, if you go and take a look at his tape with the Washington Redskins. And he can play two different positions. And we're talking about a team that's had a ton of injuries. Brian Winters can't stay healthy. Brandon Shell is coming off an injury. Even Beecham, who stayed healthy last year, has had several injuries in the past. So I would be all for bringing him back on a cheap deal and I don't think that it's a bad thing at all that they are supposedly internally discussing that possibility. But let's talk about another thing that they've been discussing. Manish Mehta of the Daily News reporting that the Jets do not want to trade Leonard Williams. Now, I personally think that this is somewhat of a posturing move 
from the Jets. In other words, they're saying, we're not looking to move him. We're not shopping him. If you're a team that wants him, you might want to call us and offer us something that we can't refuse, perhaps a first-round pick. I would be surprised if they wouldn't trade him for, say, an Amari Cooper type of deal, like what the Raiders got for him at the trade deadline last year from the Cowboys. Is that your read on this, or do you think that they're locked into not trading Leonard at all? I, I have the same read as you. Maybe uh, I don't know if I'd say that they're locked into not trading him at all, but I do think right now they're, they're not intending to. They don't expect to. I think right now they expect and intend to go into the season next year with him, see how he looks in the 4-3, in the see if he does look better, if he does improve, and then go from there. And look, we were talking about this all there. If, if I know we need to have a discussion – the Jets need to have this discussion with themselves and fans need to have this discussion because there's a lot of strong opinions on what to do with Leonard Williams. But do you want to feel the best team possible for next year or are you looking to build for the future? Because if you want to build the best team possible for next year, I'm having a hard time seeing getting rid of Leonard Williams will achieve that. Sure, if you can get a first round or even a second round pick and then turn around and turn that into an offensive lineman to help Darnold the offense, then okay, sure, do that. But if you're trading him for a third-round pick, what are you getting that's on Leonard Williams' level? And I know I know, Jets fans, you think he's a bust. You think he's terrible now. We've gone back and forth on this. He was, you know, again, uh, but he's, he's a really good player. He's, and he does some things. He's great at some things, like stopping the run, which, of course, is less valuable now. Uh, but he's just not the dominant player that people thought and hoped for. But he, maybe that'll change in a 4-3. Who knows? And I think the Jets are going to be more than willing to take a wait-and-see approach there unless somebody comes and gives them a huge offer. And again, another thing that uh, you have to look at, typically when teams look to trade somebody with one year left on their contract like that, it's because they know that they're not going to be able to pay him or that they don't have the space to pay him. The Jets will have the space to pay Leonard Williams going into the 2020 season if, if they so choose. So that's not as big of an issue. The, the issue is simply how good is he? Is he worth it? And what if you can find somebody who gives you a first, a high second, then absolutely go ahead and do it. If, you know, maybe if during the draft you, you talk to somebody and there's an offensive side school you really like in the third, and you can trade him then, flip him that way, then fine. But right now, I think they're going to sit there and probably take a wait the approach, see how he does in the system. Like I said, they, they definitely have the cap space to go ahead and take that risk. And I think it's worth it. Moving along to the other teams in the division, Chris, some news there that could impact the Jets. As you know, Flores named officially as the new head coach of the Miami Dolphins, and this, of course, after a brilliant performance that he had as the defensive coordinator with the Patriots on Sunday in the Super Bowl. And his replacement is a familiar face to anybody in this area and certainly anybody who knows anything about Rutgers football, and that is Greg Schiano. He comes in to the Patriots to take over as defensive coordinator there. So let's talk about this a little bit. What do these two moves mean for the AFC East and for the Jets in particular? Yeah, well, I'll start down in Miami with Flores, and this is a fascinating situation to me because I, I, from what I've seen and gathered with Flores, I like him. I like the fact that he's worked on both sides of the ball. Um, I, th- I think that would be really good for them. But there's also that concern of, you know, 
He was the defensive coordinator for a year, and the defense was definitely much improved this year than it was last year under Patricia. But it's Belichick, too. How much? I don't know how much he scores, how much is Belichick. And then you have the whole Belichick coaching tree not working out so well with every, you know, Bill O'Brien being the biggest success story. So a lot of fans would go, oh, no Belichick coach has ever been anything, so they want the next one will. Well, on average, and say eventually one of these assistants has got to be a good coach, right? So that'll be fascinating to watch. The Shiano thing, this is like, it was easy to point at and laugh and, and be like, whatever, but let's say he doesn't do the greatest job or he's not bringing too much in and actually himself. Belichick is still there. Belichick is still involved. I can't see him like messing things up so much with Belichick hovering over him and around him. Uh, you know, I would say that I, right now my inclination would think that yeah, they'll take a little dip. But Flores is probably a better defensive coach, play caller than Chiano is. But uh, Belichick's still there, and like honestly, it doesn't really matter to me who the assistants are. You can pick guys off the street if you want. That's half the time it seems like that's what Belichick does. As long as Belichick is there, you still have to worry about the Patriots. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Chris, let's dip into the mailbag now. A bunch of questions this week. Let's start with Michael Christopher, who's one of our favorites. He says, last four years, all the quarterbacks that have been selected in the first round, 11 out of 12 of them have been acquired via trade. When do the Jets start having conversations with teams about trading back? And what can they realistically expect to get back? What do you think, Chris? I I think, you know... Starting conversations, I think they've probably started conversations already. Um, you know, probably more just checking in, like, hey, we, we will be open to this. Are you considering this? I, I can't imagine that anybody has really, like, sat there and said we'd be willing to trade this and this to go up yet. Teams are still going through their process, still scouting. The combine hasn't even happened. You know, they haven't had a chance sit down and talk to these people to bring them in for workouts and pick their brains. So, uh, you know, I, I can't imagine that conversations have gotten too detailed or too far, but I, they've ha- had to have first-rate conversations about this stuff already. 
to let some teams know that they're willing to listen, they'd be willing to do it, and the teams calling them to gauge their interest and all that. The the what can they expect back can be tricky. Uh, obviously, it'll depend on if they trade with the Jags. That'll be they'll get a little less back than if they trade with the Broncos or you know something like that. But this I can't see them getting anything like quite like the it'd probably be a little bit less than what the Colts gave got last year from the Jets, um, like a Jags to Jets, just because the demand for these quarterbacks isn't nearly as high. Maybe maybe Haskins, depending on where he goes, if if he's not gone and somebody really falls in love, maybe they will be able to get, you know, a swap first, get a second and a third, or, you know, a, a second and a third year after. I would think probably something like that is along the high end of what they can get. I wouldn't be surprised if you get you know just a swap of a first and a second and a fourth also. Chris Michael also asks if Bosa and Quinn and Williams are off the board, the two consensus best players. Who do you think the Jets pick at number three if they stay there? I'm I'm going to go ahead and go with uh, I can't I always have trouble with his pronouncing his name Cleveland Farrell uh, the the DN from Clemson. I I watched a little bit of tape on him. I'm coming around on him more and more. I think he's a much better fit in the four three than someone like Josh Allen would be, and I think he could be a really disruptive force uh, that the Jets defense has lacked for a while. Right now, I would say if if they're stuck there at that pick, and Quinn Williams, Quinn Williams, and uh, Bosa are both gone, they can't trade down. Uh, right now, I would say Farrell would be my pick. Yeah, I think that's probably who they would pick. I'm not entirely sure that that's what I would do, but. I don't know. It's such a tricky situation because to me, if you're not trading down, those two guys are the cream of the crop. And if they're not there, you're picking between a bunch of guys that are all right around the same. So I guess at that point, you might as well pick the best edge rusher that you think you can get. And then it just becomes a matter of who do you think is the best one of the group. I guess you could make the case for Farrell. I don't love him, to be fair. I haven't watched a ton of film. I've only watched the games at Clemson, so I have to really dig into it. But from what I've seen, I think he has a chance to be a solid pass rusher in the NFL. I don't think he's going to be special. But again, if you get stuck at number three, and it's just a matter of picking between a bunch of guys that are all right around the same level, Farrell probably is right there at the top of that pack only because of the fact that he's a pass rusher and he might be slightly better than the other ones. Next question, Chris, this comes from our boy David Aiken, senior writer over at TurnOnTheJets.com. He says, we hear a lot of chatter about adding guards and centers in free agency for the Jets, but what about the possibility of adding an offensive tackle? Uh, you know, we the Jets' major needs on offensive line are all interior. Beecham and Shell are their two best uh, offensive linemen. They could, I'm certainly not saying they don't need to be improved or can't be improved upon because they both can be improved upon. And the Jets should absolutely look to improve there in free agency and the draft. The problem is, what are the options out there? Uh, you know, there's not a lot. And right right now, even if all the rest- uh, people who are listed as free agents, they hit the market, there's still only t- like a couple you got Trent Brown from the Patriots, but he was kind of a cast off from the 49ers. And then how, so how much of his good year this year is tied specifically to be working with Belichick and Dante Skarnecchia? How much, because we've seen, and not just offensive line, but we've seen this numerous times in the past, 
good players play, players play good with the Patriots. They leave and go somewhere else, and all of a sudden they're not nearly the same player. The Belichick, Skarnakia, they know how to use these players that maximize their uh, ability. So that's a question mark. Then you have uh, the guy Daryl Williams from uh, Carolina who had a really good year two years ago but was hurt last year. And where does that go? And then uh, after that, there's just, I mean, Donovan Smith, like, what what are you doing there? There's, there's not a lot of good options there. I think if, if you really want to address the offensive line, sure, you can go ahead and take a chance on a Trent Brown or Daryl Williams. But they, they they need to address that interior line. That's where there's a little more options. There's still not a lot of options, but there's a little more options there. And then you can look to draft, uh, you know, a tackle or two in, in this year's draft. Yeah, I think what you said makes a whole lot of sense. When you look at the free agent tackle list, on top of the fact that they need guard and center more, they could use a tackle, don't get me wrong. But this right. list is just not very good. You look at some of the guys, Donovan Smith is a perfect example of somebody that when you don't watch him regularly and you just look at the PFF grade, you'll say, oh, he improved this year, but really a lot of lack of effort moments for him. He's been a major disappointment there. I don't know that he really does you a lot of good and he's probably going to get paid a decent amount of money just simply because of a lack of talent at offensive tackle. Juwan James is another guy that you'll hear about. He was okay in Miami, but in addition to the fact that he's really nothing special, he hates Adam Gase, so that's not going to happen. So that's really basically where you're at at tackle. I think it would be a wise move if there was anything to go after, but I just think that the tackle market is pretty dry, so I don't expect him to do much there. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Next question, Chris, comes in from Daily Jets Talk. He wants to know, if you had to put a percentage on it, what do you think the percentage is that the Jets trade out of the number three spot? Oof. Uh, let's see. I'm going to go ahead and say 60 to 65%. I just think that, uh, that like we were talking about earlier, when we were talking about Farrell, um, the, there's those two guys at the top. If you need a quarterback, then you can make that three guys with a Haskins. After that, there's a whole bunch of people who are going to be very, very closely equally graded, and most and none of those guys are uh, off. You know, there's there's the off the defensive guys. They can drop down and still go ahead and then try and take a Jonah Williams or try to depending on how far they go, maybe get a skill position, a wide receiver guy. Um, and right now, just like we were talking about earlier, Farrell, if I'm sitting there at three and I'm thinking about, okay, if, I, if I'm stuck here, I'm taking Farrell, or I can trade down with the Jags to swap and give me an extra second-round pick, I'm going to take that second-round pick. Uh, I'm, I'm going to take that and I'm going to use that pick there on offense and I'm gonna you know you want more for that hole obviously but I I feel like you 
kind of have to, you almost have to take whatever offer it is as long as you're not dropping down too far. Chris, here's a question from me before we get back to this person who asked that question. No, 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 no questions from you. <laughs> what do you think the odds are that the Jets actually trade up? Oh, uh, I'd say very small. Um, and unless they can figure out, you know, if the 49ers interested in, in Leonard Williams uh, as part of a package to trade up, the Arizona want Leonard Williams. If you can do something like that, and maybe I could see it bumped up, but uh, I otherwise, what ammo do they have? They're not. I, I can't see them trading away more draft picks to move up a spot or two. Uh, I mean, obviously, Bosa would be great and would be a huge help for this team. But then also, you know, there's he's got some injury concerns, and it's not fair to tie uh, his injury concerns to his brother's injury concerns, but. People will do that. So, with having you know no second round pick already this year, I I'd have to say I'd put that at like a ten percent chance. Yeah, I think that's about right. I was going to say ten percent. I'll also say fifty fifty on trading down, depending on who's on the board and also who exactly the teams are that get in the mix and want to move up. And that was the other part of this discussion. He wanted to know who the most likely suitors are for that pick and which player and or players they would be seeking in the trade-up. Well, and let me just add this too. Uh, with Let's see what happens with Foles. Because let's, let's say the Jags go ahead and take Foles. That's probably going to take the Jags out of the running and trying to trade up for Dwayne Haskins. So then, uh, you know, and then the Giants might sit there and feel like they don't need to trade up for Haskins. Uh, so we, there's a lot of time, and I know fans want answers. I'm happy to give answers as best I can, but there's so much that has to play out. Again, we talk about this with free agency. Everyone wants to go sign this guy, but he might get re-signed by his team, not hit the market. A lot's going to change between now and the draft and before between now and even free agency starting. So, this is all guessing, trying to read tea leaves here, but uh, yeah. Here's one from our friend Tyson Roush, the co-host of Let's Talk Jets and also a contributor at TurnOnTheJets.com. He says, will the uniforms make the Jets actually play better? <laughs> Depends on what they look like, right? I mean, if they're, if they're really good, they're going 19-0 and and winning the Super Bowl. If they're really bad, they're going 0-16 and probably never winning any game. That's how this works, right? Um, so, uh, the uniforms, uniforms, man, I get, I get it, but, uh, yeah, the, what they need is they need more, more talent. That, that's the talent that's in those uniforms is going to be what's determining how much better they play. Yeah, you could go back to Bill Parcells and talk about how he came in and changed the uniforms, but I think the change in culture had a lot more to do with Parcells himself than the actual uniforms. So if they get good players, like you said, Chris, then it won't really matter about the uniforms, but I do find it funny that so many people really are fascinated by what the Jets are going to do with those uniforms, and I think there are going to be some people that may unfortunately be in for some disappointment. Last one, Chris, and this is kind of a wise guy question from my friend Kenny, who's at Deep Threat, and that's three E's in deep. He says, first, why isn't Emerson Boozer in the Pro Football Hall of Fame? And the second question he asks is, if Joe Namath played as many postseason games as Tom Brady, do you think he would have the same level of success? 
<laughs> I'll go ahead and address that second one first and give a resounding no. Um, even if you give Joe Namath Bill Belichick, I'm still going to give it a resounding no. Uh, Joe Namath obviously holds a uh, special place in Jets fans' hearts for obvious reasons. But, uh, yeah, he wasn't as good as Tom Brady. And then also one of the uh, biggest things about what makes Brady so good or the career he's had is his ability to stay healthy. He had that one injury that cost him that season when Matt Castle had to come in for him. But he's been really healthy, and he continues to play really, really well at a crazy age when we saw Joe Namath, his body failed him at a much earlier age than Tom Brady. So, yeah, I'm going to go ahead with a no on that one. And then, you know, Emerson Boozer, I I don't know. But at, at this point, like, you can't possibly expect, you know, he obviously played at a time that was, or I was sitting there watching and paying attention. So I can't really give you a, an off, uh, you know, a huge breakdown on how deserving he is. I've seen, you know, highlights and clips, but I've never gone back and, you know, looked in the, six, the late 60s to see, uh, you know, break down the film or the tape in that game. So, yeah, I don't really have much of an answer on that one. Keeping in mind that Kenny was just being a wise-ass on both of these questions, I'm going to give yeah. a sort of half-joking, half-serious answer as far as Namath. If he'd been married to Giselle and if he'd been working with Alex Guerrero, perhaps he would have had the same level of postseason success as Tom Brady. That's my joke answer. The serious answer, of course, is that as good as Namath was, He's become one of those polarizing figures where I think we talked about this off the phone before about Leonard Williams, Chris. It's kind of that overrated, underrated loop, and I think that's kind of what's happened now with Joe Namath. For a long time, he was overrated. Now I think he's become underrated to the point where people are questioning whether or not he was even a good quarterback. He was. The problem was because of his knees, he had a limited amount of elite seasons. And so that's why if you wanted to argue about his place in the Pro Football Hall of Fame, I suppose you could. But that is the reason that Joe Namath is not on the level of Tom Brady is because A, Brady was better, B, he had Belichick, C, he had Giselle, D, he had Alex Guerrero, and E, he did not have Joe Namath's knees. And as far as Emerson Boozer goes, the short answer is he wasn't good enough to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. But the longer answer to this is he did have a remarkable career considering the fact that he shattered his knee in a way that back then it seemed impossible to come back from. This was back before the merger and before the Super Bowl. It seemed like he was never going to be the same. And he went on to have some really nice seasons for the Jets. So, no, obviously he was not Hall of Fame worthy, but he had some really nice moments and a really good career, especially considering the fact that it never should have happened based on the terrible knee injury that he had that really slowed him and hampered him a lot after that. But he still managed to bounce back and do very well for himself so that's the mailbag this week chris and we will have more questions coming up next week don't forget you can always get them in either at play like a jet one or at c nimbly on twitter and that's where you can find us all the time to ask us questions even on just twitter but we can answer here on the podcast in long form chris thanks so much for coming on really appreciate it for anybody that doesn't know where to find you why don't you go ahead and let them know yeah, you can find me on Twitter at CNimbly. Uh, you can also find me on uh, Instagram at CNimbly and uh, Jets Insider and on Facebook at Jets Insider. 
I, I need to get on uh, put, putting out some more stuff on that. I'm uh, still adapting and adjusting because I, I quit using Facebook a long time ago, so I need to get back into that habit for using that specifically for the site. And then, of course, at JetsInsider.com. Remember, you got to visit JetsInsider.com because Chris isn't just a big deal. He's a very big deal. So make sure that you go over to Jets Insider and check out Chris and his very big deal work. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. It's Turn on the Jets Digital and TurnOnTheJets.com.